Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we talk about everything in Marvel and other stuff too, you know. We did the once we did the cocaine bear episode, all bets were off. But I'm your host, Jay Christie. My co-host, Anthony Canton the third, is still on paternity leave. But there's still movies to talk about. And so we gotta bring in guests to fill in the void. And joining us again is a favorite. She hasn't been on a bit, but you know her from the Mary Sue, you know her from Twitter, you know her from everywhere. Rachel Leishman. Rachel, thank you for joining us. Of course. Hello, hello, hello. Happy to talk about a movie I genuinely had fun with. Yes, we're here to talk about Shazam Fury of the Gods. The sequel to the film Shazam. This time there are gods that are furious. Um, although you could make the argument that there are furious gods to the first one too, depending on what your definition is. But um, this movie has been, I think, just to get right off the bat, I think has been a huge reflection point because of how much talk there's been about how poorly it did at the box office. Um, not that that's the most important thing in the world, but I think, and I think it'll back me up on this, like, of course it did poorly at the box office. They're admitting that this movie doesn't matter and they don't care about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's clear that they just don't really, they didn't know what to do. Like, the minute that the, uh, can I just get into spoilers? Because it's, of I course, mean, it's yeah, in yeah, a commercial. Yes. Yeah. Um, the minute that they put Wonder Woman in the commercials, I'm like, oh, you don't care about this movie. Because no. you are just like, Wonder Woman's in it. Do you want to come figure out why? Mm-hmm. Um, And it's upsetting because it's, I had fun. Like, I'm glad I didn't get spoiled on Wonder Woman because I had gone yeah. to the press screening mm. prior to that. Um, right, right, right. But I think it's just it's I like the Shazam family. I love Billy Batson as a character, mm. and I think that Asher Angel does a really good job in this movie, mm. especially yeah as mm. younger Billy Batson. And then like Zachary Levi is still good as Shazam slash yeah. like the older version of the character. But I just think it was really like a sweet movie, and like I like the way it plays on a lot of themes, and it just is it's upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> it's upsetting. Yeah, it's like oh, this one's fun. I have, I have a quick correction. I think you meant to say Shazamly, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I just what did I say? You said Shazam family, and I'm like, it's right there. Um, <laughs> the Shazam. But I, no, I got you. <laughs> Honestly, I mostly got that because that's what Rachel Zegler calls them in her uh, all of her tweets and what have you. Uh, but <laughs> I enjoyed this movie as well, not as much as the original. But I think that, like, I think it's sad that it got the treatment it got because I feel like there is so much sincerity in it and Mm -hmm. it it, like it is not as someone who does a show devoted to comic book movies there's so much rot and bad things bad bad things about the genre that have been creeping up and i feel like this movie doesn't have a lot of them in it but it's still kind of getting lumped in with uh like oh comic book movies have their time their time's over and it's like i don't feel like this movie deserves like it doesn't a lot of things that like ant-man and the wasp quantumania got dinged for or you know black adam got dinged for i feel like this movie does not have those problems but i almost feel like it got its box office performance is almost a reflection on the problems people have with those movies you know yeah um i, I agree i think it is it's the, the thing is i think the people in a lot of ways are attributing comic book fatigue or superhero fatigue to just being like, I don't want to see, like, I don't, I don't think the conversation is genuine in a lot of ways. No. Um, and I think of this movie, it was just people in the minds of many, they mm-hmm. thought, Oh, well, this is part of the old thing. This doesn't count. Yeah. Um, and we don't know that we don't know how it plays in like, I don't know. Flash. The Flash could could be actually be a flashpoint and completely reset everything, or it could mm. continue things like this. 
Now, I don't think so much because it didn't make that much money. No. Prior to this, maybe. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. I had so much fun. Yeah, I, I think that, and I, I think the problem with, the problem they have is that when you start trying to do the Marvel thing where you sell every movie on the idea that you need to see all of them, you know, like, the reason why, although I think it's a, a good movie and would make a lot of money, like, the reason why Captain Marvel made a billion dollars is because people were expecting, wanted to know stuff for Endgame, you know what I mean? Like, that movie probably made $700 million, if not for that, but it made a billion dollars because of that. And I feel like mm-hmm. once you set that up as, like, the requirement, if you even, like, faint to this movie might not matter, which they didn't just faint, they kind of just said it out loud, then, like, you're training audiences where it's like, well, you trained us now that we have to see all these movies because they're all connected. And if you're explicitly telling us this one is not going to be connected, then why on earth would we see it? And especially when you have a character like Shazam that is not as popular, and when you have the Black Adam brand really soured, I think not only do people not see it in theaters, I think a lot of the people who saw it outside of theaters recognized that it was a horrible movie. Um... And I think that, and I say that, I say that mostly because I did watch it at 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. at the end of a 25-hour live stream. And you want to talk about a movie that's hard to stay awake during when you're on hour 24 of being awake. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think at least I think I got an unfair treatment. Um, it, it definitely, it, the thing about it, it's one of those movies where there's certain movies that are because I think this is flawed. I probably like the movie less than you do, but just it's just the type of movie that I'm. I just can't actually imagine having any animus towards because it's so in the ways i the ways i had think it had problems are so inoffensive to me that like i don't know i will move on from the discourse but i think it's just since so few people actually saw the movie it's so much of the discourse is about the discourse you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's just really one of those moments where i'm like i don't know man it was cute and i think there are so many things that like actually hinder character arcs or ruin, like, everyone knows that I'm a Wanda girl. Um, and I think, like, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness completely ruined that character for absolutely no reason. And, like, did not do a gradual change to her being a dark Wanda. And that, to me, is like, no, that's bad. Like, that was bad. Where this is, like, a sweet movie that's cute and does nothing to change these characters. Nothing is, like, really outrageously bad about it. It's just fun. And I think... People are either, like, of one of two minds. It either needs to be completely new and fresh and change the wheel like the first movie was. Or it needs to, like, you need to, like, either hate it because you want to be contrarian or you have to, like, champion it because you want to be contrarian. Like, it's it's a weird time to talk about yes. these superheroes. Yeah, uh, yes. I, I. It's a weird time because I think so much of the, like... The people I respect the most in the ant uh, in the anti side are the people who are like I saw a take that was like the reason I don't like Marvel is because of insert actual problems with the industry and this that, and the other. I'm like that is a perfectly legitimate take. I just can't stand when I see people try to launder that take through. But I think that these movies are actually like offensively bad filmmaking on the t- I'm like what I, and I think I especially been mad about it today because I saw a still of. Filming has begun on Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel. I'm like, if you think that that, if you think Shazam 2 doesn't need to exist, I don't know who's asking for Ghostbusters Afterlife 2. Like, that is, like, a real problem. At least Shazam was a liked movie. But anyway, let's actually talk about the film. Um, The gods are furious. Um, And, yeah, I think that, uh, I think there's been a lot of talk that I don't understand because I didn't read comics growing up about uh, the villain that was originally supposed to be in it. I guess his name's Mr. Mind. Am I getting that right? 
Um, uh, I don't remember. I don't know Shazam. Ed, I grew up in a DC household, but I don't know Shazam as well as I know I, like the other I'm, heroes. Shazam is new. I mostly am just saying that because I want to make sure that no one gets in our comments and says like, why do you guys talk about, you know, Anthony's on paternity leave. What do you want from me? <laughs> um, but yeah, we have the, the, the gods, uh, the daughters of um, uh, the Titans, you know, who are the villains, who are, of course, Hannah Mirror and Lucy Liu, and later we find out, completely spoiled by all the marketing, Rachel Zegler. Um, I thought that this was... A, I didn't really understand the complaints about the villain. I thought that it was a interesting trio. I think that, you know, I wasn't always 100% sure of all their motivations, but I always like when they bring in, like, real actors to ham it up and do villains. But, you know, Helen Mirren's a pro, um, and so I was happy mm-hmm. to see them. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, their motivations get murky towards the end when, because um, their whole idea is like they want revenge for Atlas, but their dad is Atlas. But the um, yeah, the problem is that like they want to the, the, the Rachel Zegler, um, Anthea, Anthea, yes, yeah, because um, I they called her Anne. I was like Anthea. She is like no, like our goals were just rebuilding our home. And then, um, I almost called her Kaleidoscope. Um, <laughs> Calypso, I think it is, but Calypso. this is also, like, this is very much, this is very much a call the character by the actor's name type of podcast. Yeah. Lucy when, Liu, uh, Calypso, but yeah, I was like, yeah. Kaleidoscope? Um, it's mostly Lucy because Liu's I don't remember Helen Mirren. <laughs> the, something with the T. Um, but Lucy Liu is like, no, I want revenge. And so it's basically like Helen Mirren is the middle ground between Rachel Zegler and Lucy Liu. And she's yeah. like, I would like revenge for my father, but also I want to rebuild my home. And mm-hmm. when she realizes how far Lucy Liu is willing to go to like get revenge, she's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do all that. I just yeah. kind of like, I was willing to kill to get the thing back mm-hmm. so I could have my home back. But like, I don't want to do what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And so then it like turns into this revenge arc and so it's like but it wasn't clear at certain points where their mm-hmm. allegiances lie and it yeah. took like finishing the movie being like okay i get it like she was like no just rebuild our home this one was like i'm kind of in the between mm-hmm. the two of you and then she was like no nah, i'm yeah. ready to murder yeah i think that i think anthea rachel zegler's motivations were pretty clear from the beginning i think you know they set her up very much clearly as that character the thing that mm-hmm. The, I don't think they seeded the Lucy Lou being the extremist enough. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. clear until the very moment that I think she had the argument with Helen Mirren. I was under the impression that it was going to be Helen Mirren and Lucy Lou are both equally bad and Rachel Zegler is the sympathetic one. Until the moment where, like, Helen Mirren first burst back, I wasn't clear that there was daylight between Lucy Lou and Helen Mirren. You know what I mean? Yeah, same. Um, but I think, in my opinion, the part of the movie that worked best for me is I think that Anthea's relationship with Jack Dylan Grazer's Freddie Freeman, um, I think is g- genuinely just really charming. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is Rachel Zegler willed herself to have on-screen chemistry with Ansel Elgort, so I'm not really surprised that she was able to do it with Jack Dylan Grazer. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also a, always a sucker for like, cosmic or fantastical person goes undercover as a teen like that always is something that like i'm always like oh this is fun it is a little hijinks um but yeah i really like that they gave him a big part because i feel like he's kind of um freddy is kind of like very much a sidekick character in the first one mm-hmm. but at the same time like he has just as much pathos as billy does i mean like his like he's also a foster kid he's also had a lot of challenges and so i like that 
he is almost a co-lead in a lot of ways in the movie. Yeah, and, and as my letterbox review says, and I keep getting a lot of a lot of people responding to it, which I was like, okay, everybody. Um, as my letterbox review says, though, uh, I am a Freddie Freeman fan. I love Freddie Freeman. I think that is such mm-hmm. a fun character because it is kind of, in a lot of ways, it is the audience as a superhero fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the superhero world. So it's like something to relate to. And then casting him as, uh, casting Seth Cohen as adult Freddie Freeman was the smartest Mm -hmm. thing they could have done because it is people my age know Adam Brody as Seth Cohen who loved superheroes, famously wanted to kiss his girlfriend like Spider-Man from Mm -hmm. the first Spider-Man movie. Like that the casting of that plus like just the relatability of freddie made him my favorite from the first movie and i think in this movie it's just really kind of under he is the character that you relate to and you understand the most because he's like i have these powers i can like i'm strong i can walk around in a way i can't normally yeah like i'm really like i i'm gonna do what i want to do and like Mm -hmm. it's he's not fighting with billy but it is kind of like the tension there is i like in this mm-hmm. movie, I think it's like a nice yeah. tension where they're not fighting with each other, but it is also he's like, dude, you're my best friend. You're supposed to always back me up in these situations. Mm-hmm. And Freddie's like, no, nah, I'm good, man. Gotta go and I like me. that they Can't. didn't. Yeah, yeah. I like that they <laughs> didn't hit like over hit the nail on the head of like it. Because I think you you could have done a very cheesy sequence of him really like just talking about the fact that he has a disability when he's not a superhero and he doesn't when he is like that. In a much worse movie, there could be like a scene of like, I need these powers because I can't, you know, I really like that they don't ever do that. Because that, you know, I mean, that's the thing mm-hmm. I'm, I personally, I'm always afraid of whenever you have some type of superhero story where someone like overcomes a actual medical issue with a superhero. It's just like, I mean, that's honestly, I hate to say it, that's part of what sucks about Morbius, um, among <laughs> other things. Um, but yeah, I think that their relationship I really liked. Um, the one main thing I actually would say was my primary issue with the movie such as i had issues is i think that the gap between the asher angel's performance as billy and what zachary levi was doing is is much bigger in this one than i think in the first one where like zachary Zachary levi's still playing him like he's like 13 and asher angel's playing him like a moody 18 year old which i mean 17 year old which is doing a great job like Asher Angel is doing an incredible job in this movie, but Zachary Levi just isn't matching him. And it's not bad. It's just, I think Zachary Levi was like, oh, I know how to do this and just went for it where Mm. Asher Angel was like, I'm older like this character is. I can, I can interact. Like you just came at a slightly different thing and they, it doesn't seem like they talked about it. Um, Mm. But it does work at sometimes like when they're in the, their like layer. And he is, like, genuinely, like, upset that his family's not there. It's, like, that is the most he seems, like, younger Billy. Yeah, he gets there. It just, I was a little bit, I think that, like I said, I felt like there were times where he didn't change his performance to match the age difference. And I think that that kind of was always, I mean, that was always the risk on paper of doing a Shazam 2, is that, like, the older Asher Angel gets, the less novel the switch is. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that... uh, I, I also would have liked to see Asher in more of those scenes. I get why they have Zachary Levi because he's like the headliner name and, you know, he they designed the cool suit or whatever. But I feel like there are a lot of the more emotional scenes I felt like would have been better. 
Obvi- the the ideal thing would be to, for Zachary to just play them more like Asher is playing it in the rest of the scenes, but yeah, especially because then you have like um, Megan Good as Darla, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. D- did like the young woman playing Darla aged a little mm-hmm. bit up, mm-hmm. and she's playing her a little old, like she's still like yeah. seven, but she's mm-hmm. playing her a little bit more like a mm-hmm. like a eight like an eight or nine year old versus mm-hmm. like she was six or whatever it was in the first one, yeah. like she, whatever the ages are yeah. playing her slightly older and making good kind of mirrors that like, she's not as childish. She still has the, like the Darla things where she's like, Oh, well that's a unit. And like, mm-hmm. it works almost better than the, than how Zachary Levi is playing uh, against Asher. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that uh, Adam Brody does the same thing with um, with Freddie Freeman. I think that, mm-hmm. he, especially because I th- the thing I think works about it is that he is not just directly doing what Jack Dylan Grazer sounds like. He is doing what Jack Dylan Grazer imagines a serious, handsome superhero talks like. You know what I mean? Like it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like whereas Zachary Levi's whole thing with Shazam is that he is acting as if like what if a kid got superpowers um mm-hmm. and but because freddie freeman's more of a neurotic person he is he is trying to contain all of those excitements and i think that that is like especially the scene on the rooftop where you know he tries to impress Anne. um i think that that was really well done and like it it feels it it, it kind of is like the it's a scene that's happened in a lot of other superhero movies where you have the alter ego meet the person like their love or whatever but i like this one because there's no like mm-hmm. masks or anything like that it just is literally he's a different person um i, I honestly yeah. wish i kind of do wish that there was more time before the turn where Anne became anthea because i think that um like that tension uh was fun especially because you know like once again i it i did actually buy even though i knew going in that she was actually a six thousand year old goddess I did buy that she was actually charmed by him and did like him. Like it, it didn't feel from yeah. the, from moment one, it didn't feel like a trick. It felt like the, like what the movie's going for that it started as a trick, but also she's been living with her sisters for six thousand years, and this guy's charming and nice. So like, um, and I'm also I, I've I've been made fun of on the pod before, but I'm I'm just always a fan of if they were real, it would be problematic fantasy sci-fi romance things where it's like, yes, it would be problematic if a 17-year-old was dating a 6,000-year-old. But, like, it's charming and it's a movie, so why not? I'm, I, I, I'm always someone who I always push back. I'm like, oh, this is gross. Like, it's a movie. And, like, I, Rachel Zegler and Jack Dylan Grazer are actually the same age, so shut up. <laughs> like, it's not... And, but also, it's one of those things where I'm like, we... How many times have we, like, been like, ooh old vampires falling in love with 18 year olds and it's like romanticized and like this is the same thing it's just in a superhero movie yeah i do love the bit where after uh anthea mentions she's six thousand years old and then they still kiss and the foster mother forget her name is like i forget the line but it's like that certainly became really less wholesome <laughs> rosa rosa yeah rosa um i love the parents uh, yeah same. they're so good I mean, I'm a big fan. Cooper Andrews, I think, is just... I don't know why he's not in more stuff. He just has, like, a great face. Um, and, like, you immediately... I think the thing that works so well about the first one is that I think that they cast them so perfectly, especially Cooper Andrews, because, he, like I said, he's the big face, that in the first one, you never have any doubts. Because 
in any fiction with foster families or step families, there's always like the oh they're gonna be bad. And I think they, the mm-hmm. the economy with which just casting those two actors, you immediately are like, no, this is not what this movie's about. The step the foster family is all good. Like they're all yeah. supportive. There's no tension there. I think that that is kind of like an underrated thing to do is to cast actors who immediately relieve the tension so you can focus on what the movie's actually about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Any other thoughts on the other... Um, obviously, there are the other uh, two superhero versions. Actually, th- other three, you have uh, Grace Caroline Curry, who, of course, plays herself. Um, I think that she has a fun arc. And then you have... Um, Which makes the most sense. I'm glad they fixed yeah. that <laughs> from the last movie. I was like, when they actually just had her in the suit i was like yeah that makes the most sense because she is an adult like she's already Mm. like what 21 in this movie like i was like she was supposedly the older one anyway like she should Mm. have just been in the suit in the first one but they like gave her an adult persona and i was like that doesn't make any sense yeah It, it also i mean it doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it at all because like Although they are, although Asher Angel and Jack Young Grace are still technically playing minors, like, there's no way that Asher Angel's gonna look anything like Zachary Levi when he's, like, a full-grown adult. But it is one of those things you have to kind of strain credulity um, mm-hmm. about. But I think that, like, so the main plot generally is that at the end of the first one, the staff he broke were let the daughters of Atlas go. I'm not gonna really lay the plot, because honestly, you should see the movie, and if you don't see the movie, then, like, I'm the, then look it up on Wikipedia. Um, anyway um and so i think you know it's kind of i'm a little bit iffy on the i'm always iffy on the superhero plot where the hero is responsible for the bad thing happening just because i think that that kind of is the way i always put it is that like that takes away the most interesting thing to me about superheroes is that they're selfless if the person caused the problem then them fixing it is less selfish selfless than if they just decide to fight a guy but that's not Mm -hmm. here there um but yeah, I think that it takes a little bit for them to get into knowing what's going on, which once again is a little bit annoying, but not once again, not really that because it's all fun and there's jokes and I don't know, I saw it in like a probably half filled theater, which was, you know, I saw it on Friday night and I felt like there was a lot of laughing and it was definitely not, I've, I've been in definitely worse crowds for movies that were quote unquote bombs. Um, and so it was definitely an enjoyable theater experience. And I think that, um, I think David F. Sandberg just knows how to direct an interesting movie. Like I, I'm just, no matter what he does after this, I, he did a Twitter thread today about how he's not doing superhero movies anymore. And I completely understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope whatever he does next, um, I'm excited to see it. Cause he, I, he just, the way that this movie and the first one, I think are really successful is that the moments where they're funny, they feel like they're funny in, a comedic scene as opposed to an action scene with quips thrown in. Like I, I don't, mm-hmm. I think that he has a very good handle on, it never feels like the jokes are things that were thrown on the day by the studio saying this needs to be funnier, you know? Yeah. And I just, I don't know. Out of all of the DC movies, um, and again, I love the DC comics and characters. I think the Shazam ones are fun Um, in the same way that like, not the same way. I love Birds of Prey more than it, but I'm saying like they have fun movies. Um, the Shazam movies are fun. Birds of Prey was fun, uh, and I think it just got trapped in that weird crossfire of people were like, "This is so unserious," when it doesn't have to be. Like that's not the point of Shazam. Shazam is a kid who got superpowers. Like 
supposed to be funny and weird. And I just think that it didn't find its place among DC fans because of that reason. And then pair that with everything going on at Warner Brothers in DC and the constant conversation about how like, oh, we're tired of superhero movies. Uh, I, I feel bad for the for David just because like this movie's good and I wish people like appreciate it, it, it in that way. And it doesn't feel like so many other bombs in big genres that yeah. feel like they're bombs because they're just passionately made. Like mm-hmm. this movie feels a lot like the first one and um, I think that and a thing I noticed is that um, this movie costs like less than half or about half of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and its special effects look much better. It, I mean, and mm-hmm. I think that that is the thing. I'm the reason. One of the reasons I'm sad about David F. Sandberg leaving the superhero genre is because, especially, I think the first Shazam has some of the best effects in any superhero movie. Because, and I talk about this anytime the movie comes up, because I think it's a thing that in this day and age of superhero movies and big budget things, there are not enough of these. That he was a VFX guy who became a director, and I think that that is a thing that mm. we, when we see all these movies of rush VFX. The reason why they're so rushed is because the people who are shooting the movies don't know how to shoot for VFX. And if you're a guy who got to start in Sweden shooting movies with his wife, making your own VFX, you understand how to frame a shot so that the VFX... Mm-hmm. Like, the thing I, the thing you just notice, I think, if you're if you're looking for it, and I remembered it when, when I was doing the marathon and I was watching the digital Sazam, is that there really just are no shots where it feels like they made a last-second decision about what the VFX were going to look like. And I felt the same way with this movie, that, like, the dragon, the scenes of the dragon feel good because the shots are framed so that the dragon should be exactly where it ends up being. They didn't have test meetings where it's like this dragon should be two meters over here. And it it's a thing that I think gets lost in, because it's a silly movie. I think that there's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into it. Um, yeah, I mean, and of course there is the dragon, as I mentioned, um, which, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, Lode, uh, Laden, I think, which... I think? I don't, I'll be honest with you, not a good name for a dragon. Yeah, I don't remember any of the names of the dragons. That, I remember the kids' that, names. I mean, I remember, the, I remember Billy Batson because it's a silly name. No offense. I remember Freddie Freeman because he's the first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and that's it. Um, I think they're. I think they are all letter like alliteration. I'm sure they are. Like. It's so funny that that's a thing. Um, <laughs> that I mean, it helps you remember names. Billy Batson. Uh, is definitely. A name oh to no, remember. Mary's Mary's last name is different, but still. Yeah. Um, um, funny <laughs> that yes. enough of them. Uh, the last performance I want to talk about, and then we can just talk about random things. Because one, if you're expecting a lot of structure for this, you should remember Anthony's opportunity leave, and two, we're talking about Shazam Fury of the Gods. Um, and so I thought I was so glad to see my guy Jaiman Hansu. Just my guy. Mm-hmm. I love the man to death. Um, a thing I learned in an interview with Rachel Zegler, because I'm, I've been, I'm a gigantic Rachel Zegler stand because I'm a huge George Lucas talk show fan. I don't know if you're familiar with the George Lucas talk show. Uh, it's the George Lucas talk serious? show. Are you being serious? No, oh, I, I, I just want to make sure you are. I used to go to the midnight show. Okay. Well, are you going to go to both of the shows <laughs> next week? Because I have tickets for both of them. Um, uh, I, that one I don't I don't know, but I yeah, I used to okay. go every Friday okay. when it would happen so, in New York. That's why I made a face. I, I was like, hey, what? I'm, I'm, I, we don't know each other that well. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I, I also never want to assume anything about anyone because, uh, I mean, you get burned either way, I'm now realizing. Because I was going to say, because you get burned if you're wrong. Where I'm like, I was wrong the other way and I got burned. But anyway, so I'm a huge fan of hers because 
it's so stupid that she still is a huge part of that show and is really funny on it. Um, and I learned from an interview with her. She joined in from the Oscars. She did. And I don't know if you saw this year, they did an Oscars telecast and she got on at the beginning of the Oscars and said, Hey, I have a flight to LA in five hours, but I'll hang out with you for a little bit. And she was there until the ceremony ended <laughs> for four hours, uh, just chilling, making jokes about, she did a style bibble impression. So I stand as you can understand. Um, and I heard her say in an interview that Jaiman Hansu apparently signs his texts in the Shazam group chat with just benediction in all, in all, in all caps to mean be well. <laughs> That's the uh, long-winded way of saying that Jaiman Hansu is the greatest, and I'm glad that he's back. And the fit he has at the end of this movie is incredible. Go Wolfgang. Yeah, yeah. Truly, I truly loved that. Uh, made me so happy. Yeah, I listen. This movie, the way I would sell it is it has the Shazam Lee. Mm-hmm. on unicorns mm-hmm. after having fed them skittles to get the unicorns yeah. on their side and mm-hmm. that's fun that is fun yeah. and i it know is. on paper you'd be like this is stupid it's fun they're on unicorns <laughs> i saw someone so i saw someone complaining about it being the blatant product placement and like it is but anytime someone complains about that i'm like do you recall that a movie that was not made for Best Picture is considered one of the greatest movies of all time? A major plot element is that the titular alien likes to eat Reese's Pieces. This is... <laughs> like, this yeah. is... A... Like... I, 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 they also, like, it's, they seed it throughout. This is That's the third mention of Skittles in the movie. It's not like it's, you know, out of nowhere and there's a gigantic Skittles vending machine. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Whatever, people. I just yeah. think this is a... Fun movie that people are being so mean about for no reason. Yes, yes. especially There's plenty of I... reasons to be mean in this mm-hmm. world. Liz mm-hmm. isn't one of them. It's fun. It's fine. No, I also think I think you probably based on conversations we've had. I think you'll probably agree with me to get to be legitimately mean about a movie or TV show is a very high bar for me because in terms of things that matter in the world, like the qua- if something is bad in a way that it's just it's not good. That just doesn't get me angry, and I don't. I honestly don't really understand how a thing being bad in quality and not like offensive or like mean spirited could engender someone to be actually physically angry. And so I'm confused a lot mm. in superhero discourse because it's like, yeah. Two or three movies in my life have made me angry. One being the wasted potential of yesterday. That made me like visibly angry mm-hmm. because I was like, this had so much potential. And mm-hmm. it was squandered, mm-hmm. um, which is more just like me being angry for the sake of art. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it's just, I, I, it's just the hate. I feel like it, it feels like the cool thing to do to like hate. Yes, on I agree. This stuff. I agree. And so then that's what everyone does. And now it, we're seeing yes. the ramifications of it where people don't want to go see it. Yes. I, and I think, and I've said this before, I think the, while I don't dislike this movie, I think the big bellwether would be how Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 does. Because mm-hmm. both Ant-Man Lost Quantumania and this got mixed reviews. And so I think that, like, when people are declaring the era of the superhero movie over, I'm like, let's wait until there's a movie that's well-reviewed that does poorly. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, if Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is really good and it makes, like, $80 million opening weekend, fine, we'll talk. I'll think of mm-hmm. another thing to do a podcast about. But until then... I'm a little bit like, I don't know. I'm just not, 
yeah, I don't know, I'm not really uh, going to lose sleep over it. But yeah, I think that this is a fun movie that I hope people watch when it's on HBO Max. Or, I mean, they go see it now. But if you're this far in the podcast, you got all the spoilers. And so, I mean, you can see it. Not all the spoilers, because there's some dumb stuff at the end. Um, no offense, but the last bit with Wonder Woman, I could have done without. Um, but, they just uh, wanted to include her. Because exactly. they did the same thing with Superman. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that this is going to be a movie people... It's going to be a movie people are going to watch on HBO Max in a few months, and be like, I don't know, that wasn't that, that wasn't bad, I enjoyed that, why do people just not dislike that? And it's like, the secret is because most of the people who disliked it didn't see the movie. Um, like, it's just not, uh, but yeah, I will talk about the end, where, you know, Lucy Lou plants a, the apple, um, in, uh, the middle of the Philly stadium, which as a Mets fan, was very happy to see the Philly stadium get torn to bits, made very good stuff. Um, and in order to, stop it stop her billy needs to basically overload the staff with you know lightning and in doing so he kills her kills the tree and ends up killing himself um and i thought that that moment was the moment where he actually was dead was played pretty well um and yeah what did you think about that decision even though it was pretty clear i mean i don't know about you i'm like they're not gonna kill off a 17 year old character that's just not what pg-13 big movies do but how did you feel that moment was played I think it worked well, given everything they had built up to. Like, I was like, oh, maybe they actually will. Because, like, maybe they will, like, people like Asher Angel slash Zachary Levi as this character. And we can't keep doing that for too much longer. This kid is 19 or however old Asher Angel is. Like, he's going to, like... Once he hits 21, it's going to look like a uh, what he's going to look like for the rest of his life. And it's not going to look like Zachary Levi. And you're going to know the difference uh, past like how they're trying to still hide it. And I uh, so I like genuinely thought like, well, maybe they will. Maybe that'll be the end of it. And like Freddie will be like the new Shazam or whatever. Because Jack Dylan Glazer still looks younger than he is. But uh, I'm happy that they didn't and then the team was back together and it was like the family we know and love and I like the happy ending because I do have a fear that that's going to be the end of Shazam for a while um so I liked it just given the scope of DC and where it currently is yeah I I thought it was well done I think that they waited a long enough time like, I, I like that it wasn't a very immediate thing. There was a good few minutes where it seemed like he was going to be dead. Um, and then mm-hmm. they have the whole moment, you know, in the uh, in the, tit- the realm of the Titans or whatever. Um, and uh, apologies, I'm not getting the lore correct. Um, but that, you know, they have Wonder Woman come in. And let's say they did seed it beforehand where they have the bit where the paper Steve, Steve, of course, you know, going to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor next year. But... Uh, he writes letters to gods. Um, and yeah, and so I think like it wasn't like completely out of nowhere. Um, I I just felt like I don't know. I, I I'm always a little bit uh, there's there's a weird there's a weirdness to a lot of the DC cameos and what have you because we know that the behind the scenes is so tumultuous that like for some reason when Marvel does it, it doesn't feel it doesn't give me pause because i'm like they're already doing like don Cheadle's already doing another project with them so he probably just 
took five minutes to do that. Whereas I'm like, mm-hmm. whenever it happens in DC, I can't help but think like, how many contract negotiations did this take with Gal Gadot and her representatives to get her to be on a green screen where they, you obviously was not in the same room as the rest. You know what I mean? Like that, I can't help but think that. Yeah. And, and I mean, they did prove it. They did say like her body double came in for her and then she had to film everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, separately yeah. and then they CGI'd her in like it was yeah. still her but it was just she filmed yeah. it separately from the rest of the cast yeah. yeah um but yeah I I mean I agree like when Anthony Mackie shows up in Ant-Man you're like yeah well he's on contract and he was probably already in Atlanta because yeah. they were probably filming Captain America or whatever yeah. he just walked over <laughs> filmed his scene and walked back and I also feel like in a lot of ways it maybe this is just my mind but I think that this is fair there's always there's less of a big hole blue anytime they do it in the MCU because it's so like like obviously with the first couple when it was new characters that's one thing but like I I I feel like it's kind of gratuitous when you show like the shot where it's from her from behind and it's like oh my god it's Wonder Woman whereas it's like I think that the magic trick that the MCU has pulled off is that in like Shang Chi or whatever it's like. It's not really a surprise that Don Cheadle and Brie Larson are here and Mark Ruffalo are here because if someone was getting inducted to the Avengers, they'd be there. It's you know, it's just like it's you expect them to be there. And I think that that's kind of mm-hmm. the thing that is always kind of it's the problem with the Black Adam post credit scene, um, you know, where it's like, oh, you're gonna meet a bad guy. Superman comes in, um, but yeah, I, I mean, we don't need to talk about what's wrong with the DCEU. Um, and we've already done that many times, uh, <laughs> uh, and but. Yeah, and what are some other small moments that you enjoyed, um, you know, or notes that you had uh, that you want to hit before we, uh, you know, get out of here? Um, I just, I really liked all of Freddie Freeman's arc. I loved mm-hmm. the scene when Mary calls out Billy. I don't love that yeah. she's basically like, get over it. But mm-hmm. I do love that scene because she's like, you're not going to recognize it, but here is mm-hmm. the deal that like mm-hmm. you're upset because you think that they're going to be in and like she did the way that she goes yep they're gonna lose that and like that's mm-hmm. not helpful mary but mm-hmm. that is also like a big sister move of like yeah you're not important anymore you're 18 you need to get mm-hmm. over it versus mm-hmm. like you know yeah. actually being helpful um but mm-hmm. i do love that because then it sets up a really beautiful moment at the end of the movie when Rosa's like you're always gonna you always are gonna have mm-hmm. a place with us like it doesn't matter how old you are you're mm-hmm. like I consider you my son because that's just mm-hmm. how we function yes. um yeah. and I liked those moments because that's what I like about Shazam as a character mm-hmm. in the Shazam movie is just like that mm-hmm. that family mm-hmm. is very important yes and the second movie made it so much more important which I really liked yes it's weird because I'm someone who's from a two-parent household that's always been together. But for some reason, I anytime a stepchild calls a parent mom or dad for the first time in a movie, I immediately like want to cry. And it's one thing is I have no personal connection to it. Truly, just thinking about it as a concept, I'm like, when when he calls a Rosa, I'm like, there's gonna be a moment in the third act where he calls her mom, and you know what? It's gonna destroy you, Jake. Even though even if you're not vibing with the scene, otherwise, it's gonna and it does. I can't. I can't it help it. Um, I love the moment where when they all uh, go into their bedroom, um, where it's like, uh, how are we going to explain? Like, I don't even want to explain how to explain this. And the, the dad is like, uh, you all have superpowers and there's someone chasing you or something like that. I really like that. Um, well, and I, I did thought- like that scene too, because that's when um, 
That is when Pedro. they're all, yeah, Pe- uh, Pedro's like, that's right, because his name is Pedro Pena, Darla mm. Dudley, and then there is like, I'm trying to see, Eugene's last name is Choi, and uh, Mary's last name is Brumfield. So it's like everyone else's same letters <laughs> except for yeah. Mary and Eugene. They're like, yeah, you guys have different. I mean, Eugene is, is hard. Eugene. Eugene will be hard to be saying a letter with. So no. Eugene, Eugene Engel. I don't know. No, but I mean, that's literal literal, but it's not the sound is not the same. That's the whole problem. Oh, um, but it's still funny. You know. Just given. Oh, for given, sure. It should be. <laughs> I was like, and then those two, they're like, nah, you guys have different names. Also, um, the fact but, that Asher Angel would fit in perfectly as a superhero name. Yeah. Yeah, Asher Angel would fit. Uh, but yeah, I do like that Patrick's sitting there. And the whole time, he's watching baseball, but he's like, bar- like he is watching baseball in a way that you're like, you're not watching the sport. And then he goes, mm-hmm. I'm gay. And everyone goes, yeah, we knew. <laughs> you know, like, yes. hey, putting You know, it's, it's okay. nice. And, and the thing is, like, baseball pants are tight. And it's, it's, I, it's a completely understandable thing, you know. I think that uh, there's a lot of valuable to be gained. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that, I, I thought that was a sweet scene. I, I, I think that this movie was just really sweet. And like I said, like, it just felt, there were some bits where I can imagine there was some studio note or whatever that might have felt a little off. But I think that the reason why I think I kind of got mad at a lot of the negative reception for people who didn't see it is because a lot of those same people, the thing that they purport to dislike about superior movies is the insincerity or like the cynicalness of them and shazam has so little of that that it, to ascribe any mm-hmm. of that complaint to shazam like it's another one of these cash grabby super movies it's like it's it's funny if you don't like the genre or don't want these movies to be made but that is antithetical to what these movies are like they are the least cynical i feel like of any of the superhero genre and mm-hmm. i just i don't I don't know. I'm just not a cynical person by nature, and so I don't really. Uh, I, 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 there's something sweet about these, and I'm glad that it exists. And I, I would hope that, um, you know, the new DC takes chances with, especially thing about this movie once again too that it didn't have a 200 million dollar budget. Obviously, it's still had a 100 million dollar budget, but like, I honestly would wish that more superhero movies had that budget because I think that there just would be less pressure. A lot of the excesses of CGI wouldn't come in. Um, and yeah, and I also wish that Rachel Zegler can ha- make a fucking movie where the male lead doesn't do something horrible that will bomb ticket sales before the movie comes out. It'd be very nice if that could happen once to her. Um, I'm looking at you, guy from Songbirds and Snakes. Don't don't say anything bad about vaccines, for the love of God. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't do anything bad to ladies and don't say anything about vaccines, please. I really think that that's, I don't think that that's a huge part of it, but I think that there is that Zachary Levi both not being that famous and I think seeming off putting, but to a lot of people, which I mean, he is, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard stories about how like he's a crazy fundamentalist and what have you. Um, and so, oh, yeah. yeah, I think that, th- I think that that certainly doesn't help because I think that a lot of things with these movies is that like, it's an, it's an active decision to go to the movies. And so if there's like one yeah. or two things that make the movie not appealing to you, then you might be like, eh, whatever, I'm not going to bother, you know? Um, but uh, especially because I feel like, a, I mean, looking at it, I think a lot of people went to movies the first two weeks of March because of the way that Creed 3 and Scream 6 did. Um, so I think that there might be some people who are like, ah, we don't need to go this week. Um, but I did. Yeah, hopefully and, it picks up. And I was already eating Skittles 
when they did that product placement because Skittles are my movie theater snack of choice. Thank you very much. Um, what about you? What, what, what are we? What, Rachel Leishman, when you go to the movie theater, what are you getting? What are you? What are you getting from this session? If I'm getting food, I'm getting okay. Bunch Crunch or Kit okay. Kats or the Curly Fries at AMC are very good. I, you know, there's no wrong answers except there are some wrong answers. Um, but the, you didn't say any of them. Um, if, if you said like I'm just I'm nothing but red vines, it'd be like oh, oh that's interesting. I'm um, not really a candy at the movie because th- it always ends up being chaotic. Because I'm like I don't want to be eating this in the middle of the movie, so I either try to shove it in my mouth before the movie starts, and then I'm like, well, what was the point of that? Or I come home with a bunch of crunch, like I did after seeing Sunshine. I have a thing a bunch of crunch just in my bag because yeah. I was like, I don't want to open this right now. The box candy is harder. Like the bags that mm. come with Skittles are pretty. Like, it's the dark. I'm not going to lie. I open it up and I dump it into my mouth and I can do that pretty quietly. Um, but it's, uh, it can be, it can, uh, I'll say this. I'm not getting a Skittles if I'm going to, you know, uh, if I was going to see Tar, I wouldn't, wouldn't get Skittles. Um, but anyway. Lydia Tar would come into the audience and yell at you. Exactly. Uh, and that's the last thing we need. Um, we, the last thing we need is Tar to yell at another person in public. Um, but yeah, I would recommend this movie, honestly, if you feel like doing something this week or, but I definitely recommend it on HBO Max. Um, and I feel like, you know, once again, whatever David F. Sandberg makes next, I'll be there. Um, because I like his two horror movies too. I think his first horror movie, which was made on like a tiny budget, uh, Lights Out is actually like a really fun, small horror movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm supporting people in this except for Zachary Levi. Um, it was also funny once again to see people. Be like, oh my god, I can't believe they got Helen Mirren to do one of these things. As if she didn't publicly ask to be in the Fast and Furious movies. Um, sometimes, am I crazy, or does it feel like sometimes people talk about famous actors like they're like children getting kidnapped, as if they don't have their own agency to do what they want to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, everyone has this warped idea that they have to protect celebrities. Um, I'm like, it's a celebrity. That's an adult man. <laughs> like, and I, I, I always hate it man. when it's... I always hate it when it's like done in like the pursuit of. There's like a kind of belief I feel like on tw- film Twitter where it's like, if not for gigantic franchises, all of your faves would be doing nothing but five million dollar indie dramas about like the about. And it's like no, guess what? Most people who start acting start acting because they see a cheesy movie on TV. Like it's not it's not that complicated. Also, most people who act like money. It's so I don't know. stupid. It's also like I don't know. Look at Florence Pugh. She literally goes from being in fucking. The MCU two things mm-hmm. like an indie movie like a good person, yeah. where she's like, "Boop, now I'm in this indie movie." Mm. Uh, I mean, the, the example I always see cited is I can't believe Mark Ruffalo has been stuck as the Hulk for ten years, as if he hasn't gotten two fucking Oscar nominations since he's been the Hulk. Anyway, I just this could go anywhere, but uh, I enjoyed this movie, um, and Rachel did too. You can read her letterbox review, which she cited. I don't know if it's just what you said. Um, uh, but, uh, I believe wait. it is just as a Fr- Freddie Freeman super fan in this role or something like that. It's something hey. about Freddie Freeman. Shouts to Freddie Freeman and shouts to Rachel Leishman for coming back on the podcast. It's been long overdue. Rachel, where can people find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at Rachel Leishman. Uh, on Instagram is Rachel underscore Leishman. I think on Letterboxd, I'm just Rachel Leishman there as well. Um, you can follow my podcast Padro Pascal or the Fordcast, the Harrison Ford podcast, um, where you ever you find podcasts. Uh, my work is at the Mary Sue and uh, sorry, Collider I'm displaying my Padro Pascal shirt because uh, yeah. it was happened Padre, to be right next to me. The Padro Pascal, um, and you follow my work at the Mary Sue and Kaleida. Yes, please do all those things. Um, the Padro Pascal T-shirt is uh, 
high quality <laughs> and it is uh, really nice. Um, but yeah, you can follow me at the Jake Christie. <laughs> follow the show at MC University Pod. Please join our Patreon if you want to hang out. It's three dollars and you get a Discord. Uh, tons of bonus episodes. We're currently in the middle of our bracket. Uh, it is the Elite Eight right now of the Villains Bracket. And, um, you know, it's been, I have, I, it's been a little chalky. I wish that there were some more upsets, but, you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do. Perhaps I seeded it too good. Perhaps I was too good at guessing what people would vote for. And so all the number one seeds are too strong. But uh, it happens. But yeah, please uh, check all that out and um, make sure to keep sticking by us. We're gonna be doing some other fun movies and other fun things uh, while we're in this limbo. I'm not really sure when the next things are coming out. Obviously, Guardians 3 is coming out in a few months and. Secret Invasion, supposedly, sometime a little bit after that. Who knows? But we'll be here for all of it. Uh, For Rachel Leishman, I've been Jay Christie. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night.